Hello and welcome to episode 1017 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday night, February 21st, and I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo without Justin tonight, but I'm not completely by myself. I have a wonderful guest in Glenn Colton, an absolute industry titan, uh, a, a industry league stud, and an all-around great guy. Glenn, great to speak with you. How are you? I'm doing very well, and I don't know how I can actually top an intro like that, but I have a confession. I don't think I would look as good in one of those one-piece bathing suits as your partner Justin does. You know, that's fair, because I'm not sure that many of us would. That is something that is certainly unique to him. I wouldn't even try my hand at it. So I, I think that's fair, but, uh, you know... Your reputation speaks for itself, fantasy-wise, and we're going to get into it. Uh, many of many folks are going to know you from your Series XM show, Colton and the Wolfman with Rick Wolf. Uh, these are can't miss episodes on Series XM. Listen to YouTube, chop it up when you bring in Ian Khan, the way you work in your producers. It's just such a great, fun environment listening to the show. How you guys really do bring the enjoyment. Two things I, I did happen to be on last week, which was great. I really appreciated that speaking with Ian Khan in uh, in the Wolfman stead. But you and Glenn, or you and Rick, excuse me, are are like I said, known across the industry as perhaps the best fantasy duo uh, in in the baseball game that we're aware of. Uh, I mean, how many how many titles do you guys have in the industry leagues? Do you, do you know offhand? Sure, I do. Uh, only because, of course, uh, I got the quest some of the questions in advance. But uh, going back to look at it, in baseball, we have 10. Uh, we've won Labor five times, uh, Tout Wars three times, and um, the FSGA Mixed League twice. That is fantastic. Um, and it's it's really... It really speaks to what you guys are able to do. And we're going to talk about the SMART system, which is the guiding principle that you guys have. That's an acronym. We'll get into it. And then the rules of engagement that stem off of the SMART system. And I'm curious as to how it's evolved. So we're going to get into it. Uh, working with a partner is such a big deal. And, and more people are partnering up. But I think sometimes they just say, hey, I, I like this person. Let me work with them. And, and that can definitely work. But... I don't think it's as simple as just finding somebody you like. I think you have to find somebody that truly complements your skills best um, if you're going to have the best partnership. And that's where you and Rick are just so strong. By the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention how to find both you and Rick. Rick's not joining us tonight, but I still want to promote him. On Twitter, sure. it's Glenn Colton. Glenn with two N's, C-O-L-T-O-N, one at the end. So that's Glenn Colton, one. And then Rick Wolf, one. You can find both those gentlemen on Twitter. You should give them a follow. And uh, the SiriusXM show is every Tuesday night. If you have SiriusXM on the Fantasy Channel, definitely check that out. But Glenn, I do want to get into the SMART system. Sure. Uh, again, it is an acronym, Scarcity Management Anchors, Relievers, and Team. Um, let's talk about, first off, how it was developed, when it was developed, and has that been a major key to y'all's consistent success? Well, I'm going to answer the first question, the last question first, and the answer is absolutely. Okay. You know, every time, I'm not going to say we win every time we stay true to SMART and the rules of engagement, but I will tell you we lose every time we don't. That makes sense. Yep. <laughs> so know, when you veer yeah. off of it is is when it really takes you out of it. And you even say, uh, you know, that there's an article out there and people can find what it what the SMART system means and the rules of engagement. You all even say at the end, this does not guarantee that you will win. But what it does, and it's shown over time, that if you follow these, the, this system and the rules of engagement, you are putting yourself in the best chance to win consistently. You still need your players to work out. You still need to avoid injuries and super oh, bad yeah. luck. But 
this is going to give you a great foundation. No, thank you. And I, and that, that was really the reason for it. And look, you know, when you're competing against the best of the best, which we do, and I'll tell you the first time I competed in an industry league was labor 2002. And I walk into the room and there's Ron Chandler and there's Lenny Melnick, you know, and, and industry type. Uh, there's John Hunt, you know, oh, I mean, these goodness, are all people, you know, in hall of fames, right. Mm -hmm. uh, whether in the fantasy sports writers association or fantasy sports gaming association, hall of famers. And, you know, it's like, you've got to have a system and a way to play. If you're going to go up against those people, because Rick and I have full-time jobs. A lot of these people get to study baseball all day long. Now that doesn't mean that their winning isn't amazing. Cause of course it is. And no, their no, work no. is great, but, but you're saying you know, you're we had to have an behind. edge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll sort of take a little left turn. I'll tell you that first year I remember distinctly I'm bidding on a player and the auctioneer says, uh, I forget who the player was, but let's say, you know, uh, Jorge Posada for 16 to Colton and, and the whole room went, who? <laughs> no, that doesn't happen George anymore. Exactly. It doesn't remember that, you know, and I, I've, I've been playing for a long time now. I first cut my teeth on a 10 team AL only league that my dad's uh, work had started. And I got in as I believe 11 or 12 year old pre-internet, of course. And so having an actual tidbit on a guy and, and somebody that you could really put on your league and make them say who was so fun. That just doesn't really happen anymore. Oh, no, the, the who was for me. They didn't know who Colton oh, was. It was bidding on oh, the player. Oh, I thought you were saying, oh, pardon me, pardon me. So they were like, who's this Colton guy? Right. And little did they know, little did they know what Colton yeah. and the Wolfman would become. Because now, like I said, you guys are, are industry titans the best duo going uh jason yeah, collette you. stays up at night fearing y'all what you're gonna do to him <laughs> in the al only league of labor and now i stay awake at night studying the smart system and rules of engagement knowing what's going to be waiting for me in the nl labor that's coming up in a week and a half yeah i mean listen we're looking forward to playing against you and you know derek cardi and eric carabell and, and everyone else in that nl league derek Fair riper i mean it is a rich group of, of talented fantasy managers there um, but look, we all publish. You're mm -hmm. on Sleeper in the Bust. You've done a thousand and sixteen, you know, a podcast before this one, and your writing is out there, and so is everyone else's, whether it's Jason or Eno or whoever. So we're all sort of in the same boat where we know some of the players that other people like, Definitely. and it's fun because then. You know, you want to bid me up because you know, like for for many years, I always had Gary, <laughs> we always had Gary Sanchez. But yes, then when I stop, and you actually paid four more dollars than you wanted for Gary Sanchez, then you're going to stop doing that. Exactly. <laughs> you know that, what I mean? Yeah, because when you know, are people certain that you were off of him, and and so they probably had that that year or two where like, no, we can still bid him up, and they're going to Sanchez is going to go to Glenn and and Rick, and then you guys are like, no, we've we've passed, we don't want the one ninety nine average anymore, and uh, you know, speaking of that, and Sanchez specifically and Posada before him, the S in smart stands for scarcity, and catchers obviously an area where that can definitely be. A, a a a big factor at play right there's not that many great catchers a right. lot of the leagues we play in are two catcher leagues the al and nl labor are two catchers single leagues so we're talking very much bottom of the barrel are you guys still in on playing for a premium catcher does the scarcity 
move year to year based on on what's scarce out there or do things like catcher which are almost perennially scarce always stay at the top of of something when you're looking at the smart system so scarcity always moves because sometimes you know for years and years first base was rich then there were mm -hmm. years it wasn't so good and there are years and years where third base is rich and i've certainly heard you guys talk about it on the pod where third base is you know not what it used to be. Not so, hot this year. Not with right. stars, at least. Yeah. So you have to sort of look at the positions. And then there's the categories. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more during the show. But speed and lockdown mm. closers are also very scarce in 2022. So we look at it and say, you can't, we can't pay for every scarce. We can't pay for the speed and one of the top relievers. And a top catcher and a top third baseman. I mean, you can't do that, right? Yeah, because so you, you have won't to have sort of make... a premium shortstop and a ace <laughs> pitcher. Like you can't get everything. They're not giving you nine picks in the first four. Right. right. I mean, you're gonna have, uh, you know, Higashioka and Tyler Wade and <laughs> uh, Willie Castro, and you know, I'm throwing you in there. Uh, but I appreciate that. no problem. But so you 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 know, we'll get into the sort of the management in a second. But the scarcity really is identifying when you're setting your auction values or your you know how high a draft pick are you willing to use on a player you don't pay a big price uh, or big draft capital for a mediocre player but you you jack up what you're willing to pay for a scarce commodity by let's say two three four dollars in an auction or maybe a round or two in a draft because the advantage of having let's just use an obvious example a trey turner mm -hmm. you know and and lock down that speed gives you such an advantage over you know your competitors or to get jt real muto if you believe you know he's going to bounce back he's going to be so much better than the guys that the catchers that are going to be run out there by your your opponent so exactly that's the idea of scarcity and we do you know i'm going to sort of segue into management when you're getting ready for an auction, you need plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. You should never be caught short. So maybe you say, all right, I'm going to get speed. I'm going to get a reliever. I'm going to get a catcher. And you know, I'll spend less on everything else. But the catcher prices go crazy. Okay, plan B. I'm going to get myself a top first baseman, a catcher, you know, a, a reliever, and a speed guy. So mm -hmm. you the management is you've planned it all out. And... You know, in Tower Wars last year, we won and we had a plan, which was if we can get Gary Cole or Shane Bieber at 35 or less, we'll do it. We don't think that's going to happen. We're already, here's plan B and, and here's the pricing. And Cole went for like 41 or something like that. And when Bieber was up for bid, you know, I put in 30, put in 35 crickets. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you Bieber's know. our guy. Right. And so, but it wasn't, holy crap, how am I going to build the pitching staff? It's okay. We're just following plan B and mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do to fill it out. And here's how, here's the money that we've already figured out or the draft capital that's moving. Right. So that it wasn't, what do we do now? It's okay. Now we do this. And it's, it's really especially important and we'll probably end up bouncing around because that's what happens on the pods and it's fun. Of course. But that's, 10 times more important when you have a partner because at least you both know we have <laughs> we have now transitioned 
to plan B and you both exactly. following along with the same playbook, um, which is really, really important. And, and I, I think that's so key about y'all's success though, is because you have the game plan situated and the responsibilities for each of y'all also situated, right? Um, isn't totally. Rick always like looking up the players, crossing them off, feeding you names, but then you're you're the bidder and you're kind of in the action with everything. Do I do I have that split right? Close, uh, close. Okay. I, I do the bidding. Okay. Um, I have the well. What we've done before we get to labor on March fourth, you know, in, in the AL and the March sixth in the NL, we will have talked about every single player who could possibly be selected. Which is and an we'll, insanely deep look right. at the pool because those yes. leagues are 12 teams single league. Right. So we'll have gone over, you know, probably 300 and, you know, 350, 400 players. But we'll come back to this. We, we don't spend a lot of time on some players because they violate the rules of engagement. We'll never have them. And we'll talk about that. But still, we've gone over every player. We have a price and we have certain players on a do not draft list. Mm -hmm. And we have certain, and we have a list, a sub list of players that are probably only about, you know, 30 hitters and 30 pitchers that are ones we really want at particular yes. price points, you know, so we've done all of that. So I'm crossing off a list and what Rick is doing, he's doing two really critical things. He's inputting all of the picks. So he's got a live spreadsheet, not only of our projections, we're short on speed, we're short on K's, whatever it may be. And then I can alter, you know, maybe I'll go an extra dollar or two on a guy because we need those speed, you know, that speed, mm -hmm. a, a Trent Grisham to get, or a Harrison Bader, you know, a guy who's going to give you a 10 or a 15, which was huge. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, and he's also watching what other people need and how much money they have left. So in the end game, that becomes enormous because he says there's only one other guy who can pick up a uh, you know a, a third baseman and spora has four bucks and we have six so you could say two you know you could say one and call it out but if he says two just say four <laughs> exactly and just shut it down right exactly right. come on for one but you know exactly who your main competition is and that is so valuable and that's what makes you all so dangerous in the middle and end game of these auctions is that you're super prepared to not only play the the the, the cards so to speak which would be the players that we're, we're drafting but then the other players for the poker analogy right they talk about playing the uh, the opponent or the cards right. and you guys are capable of doing both in these auctions because he's tabulating all that info to give to you and say hey colette can only go five here like you said so if he goes two then you just jump it to five and he's immediately shut out right i also so, think uh go ahead go ahead no no please well i, I was gonna go off onto a new point so if you want to say anything else on that uh by, by yeah. all means the only thing I was going to say is, you know, all of labor and tout wars again this year in 2022 because of the pandemic are going to be, you know, online auctions. And mm -hmm. there's some really good software. And, and sometimes we're in a Zoom room with everyone else. And, you know, there's it's fun. I really like it. But it's not the same as when, you know, Rick is watching the room. Yes. You know, we're sitting there at the Arizona Republic for years is where labor was. And we're in this, you know, big, not really circle, but square um, with the auctioneer sitting in the middle and, and Rick is watching everybody. And, you know, I don't really get to do that because no, you're in the mix you know, of the right. list crossing and, and the bidding. He gets to yeah. read all Other, the eyes. Right. Other than messing with, with Eno or Jason Collette, those are two things <laughs> yeah. I have to do, but um, 
only because they're great players. Like if they weren't, I wouldn't mess with them. <laughs> but, um, you know, so that's really a big difference. And honestly, I actually think his ability to watch the board is even more important with the online auctions than it is in person because you can sort of watch people and see that they're really not in on the bidding, mm-hmm. but there's no way to do that on a computer That's screen, true. right? The, That's a good point. So knowing, okay, you know, he's got six bucks left. Yeah. He can still bid for outbid you at four, but he needs pitching and he's probably not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, and who to call out one of the, and Ariel Cohen is big on this, who to actually nominate, is, is more important than people give it credit for, especially toward the end. I agree. I think you, you can know. really, uh, and you can make it something. I don't think you are inherently losing if you're not having like a great call out strategy, but it is an extra edge that you can have and that you guys have. And it goes back to what we're saying about Rick knowing the board and the opponents and where they're at. He can give you the, the those perfect names to either draw those extra bucks out of somebody so that they, they don't snake you at a position that you guys are also going to look at next time around. Or you can call out the last big third baseman and go $2 over me because I have six and you guys have eight or 10 or something like that. And those little things are huge. And I think a lot of people miss those. And I'll say myself is among them that I usually keep a full board of what everyone has, but I don't always have enough time to kind of assess where everybody's at to get those little incremental advantages to say that, oh, Ariel can't outbid me here. So let me save this guy for a moment or throw out this guy. And those are little factors that, again, just make you guys even that much stronger. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, you asked me at the beginning, how did this sort of system evolve? The other thing that that happened, it really was, you can't call timeout at no. Tout Wars or Labor no. and talk about, do we go another dollar? It doesn't work that way. And, you know, it, I always love your impressions when you tell the story of the first time you went to labor, but it is flying and you you have, it's crazy. And you have to know sort of just inherently what each other is thinking. And yes, we went over the players, but we, we came up with this system and the rules of engagement because it was, if all else fails, fall back on this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And And once you're in the, in the war, so to speak, You can't always, like you said, call back and, and get confirmation, but you have the rules to follow and that, and you trust each other on the rules. And, you know, you guys, uh, you guys like to quote wedding crashers, you know, rule 68, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, never leave your wingman type deal. I, I love well, it but though. Th- that's the line from Top Gun. Never, ever leave your oh, that's wingman. That's right. That's right. That yeah, is and Top Gun so Stop invariably would be like, you know, we do that too, but invariably we'll be like, no, nope, never, ever leave your wingman. And then we'll do something and we'll pick a player who's injury prone. And Rick will always say, the defense department regrets to inform you that your <laughs> labor team is dead because your sons were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but it does great. keep you honest. You know, no, it, it really does, does keep you honest. It really does. And you, you guys have the rules of engagement that are tacked on. Again, the SMART stands for scarcity management anchors relievers and team we're going to get into some more of those soon but then there's the rules of engagement that are tacked on to it which really help too and one of the big things that we're seeing in the community the the nfbc community uh in particular but you know a big part of the fantasy community 
is the NFBC community, but people are talking about paring down their player lists. And that's essentially what the rules of engagement already do. I find that more and more, every time something new, quote unquote, comes out, it's something that's already in smart system. And I, hmm. I already had that uh, several years ago when I inadvertently stumbled on the don't pay for big uh, big free agent pitchers. Now I had it with just pitchers. It was just something in my SP guides that I was putting, not realizing that I was just quoting one of the rules of engagement about <laughs> big money free agents. I'm never meaning to like bite y'all or anything like that. Now That's I always, cool. I always throw that credit. I say, Hey, this is from the smart system, but I totally agree. And I've expanded it to all players uh, because you have the big money free agents signings matter. Don't chase those guys. Give guys a year to transition. That doesn't mean that nobody's good in their first year with a new team. But by and large, there is a come down or a, a level off uh, with the adjustment. And you just because it's such an uncertainty, I think, is the biggest reason to avoid the big money free agents. Was that one of the or was that the key tenant behind the big money free agents uh, yeah. being a rules of engagement? Totally. I mean, there's we felt that the, the players who signed a big contract, they're, they're pressing. They're trying to prove they're, they're exactly. worth it. And yep. by the way people forget these are people they're who dudes. have they're, yeah, they're, 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 right they're away from their families or they had to move their families that's stressful they have new mm -hmm. colleagues new coaches new place to go new office to go to every day you know new new fans it no matter how good hard. you are, it's hard to transition. Like, like, look at Francisco Lindor. I'm of the mind that he's had a little bit of a Beltron transition here in his first year with the Mets, and I think he's going to get back on track. Now, I know there's some disagreements, uh, you know, based on some metrics and all that. I, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but for me, I'm looking at him as somebody to avoid last year, as I did, because don't mm -hmm. pay for big money free agents at top dollar. But then this year, price is sliding a bit, and I'm going to go back on that track record and think that he can come back and uh you know and, and and be good and by the way the rules of engagement do not say to avoid every free agent signing that's big Correct. money no matter what it's the ones who come at full freight or even a, more than full freight because they're expected to put up you know robbie ray i think would be a big one this year right because his price has no, now we're, skyrocketed. we're never gonna have them yeah. there's no shot there's no mm -hmm. universe where your your teams or any of mine are going to end up with robbie ray this year because he's first off a big pop-up guy from last year whose price was already going to skyrocket but now he's a big money free agent going to seattle and i just i i can't do it i, I can't because he's going to want right. to prove himself coming off that big cy young year right but let's put a, a, a fine point on it let's just say that you, you're looking at Robbie Ray and you and you go doing all your work and your projections and your metrics and everything else. And you and I'm not saying this is what I think. You come to the conclusion he's a $30 pitcher if all else goes right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You got you got to take off and say, okay, I think there's a good likelihood that he has six to eight bad weeks before he gets his stuff together. So it's not that I won't roster him for five dollars. That's insane. Of course. But I'll put the price at 20 or 22 instead of 30. And so I have it on my sheet, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about them because we know it's not going to happen. It's, it's such a rare room that would everyone be in agreement to push Robbie Ray down. You're a hundred percent right because people can talk this, you know, a certain way, but then you get in the battle, the, the battle and it's like, Oh, that's a $30 ace. I got to get him. So somebody's going to pay up for Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman. And I wish them both the best, but I do yeah. not think, that either of them um, are going to be as good as they were last year, and I simply will not have them. And, uh, and you know, Gosman go is war is a, a bigger problem, right? I Robbie agree. Ray goes from a 
a, a not such a great place. Setup. Right. He gets a, and he gets to go to Oakland and, and pitching in Seattle and go to mm-hmm. Anaheim. I mean, for Gaussman, like I think he's got a world of talent, but I want no part of it this year. Same. He, he just goes back to the house of horrors where I drafted him for 10 years on the Orioles. Now it wasn't no, you and me I'm, both. I'm overstating. <laughs> but yeah. You know, I kept believing in him because I saw the talent and I do feel a bit vindicated by the fact that, you know, once he kind of found the right management and a more friendly place to pitch that he did pop off. And so it's like, okay, all those years that we were Gosman believers, uh, we weren't seeing nothing, right. We were seeing the right things there, but, it's just so hard to succeed in Baltimore with any amount of a home run issue. And his, his was exacerbated there at 1.4 and Toronto, by the way, Justin told me this uh, with their humidor definitely plays a little bit easier, but the other four stadiums do not like they're not easy to play in and the lineups are difficult. So even accounting for Toronto, not being as difficult a home park as it has been in the past, that that's not enough to bring me back on the, the Kevin Gosman train. He just, he just won't be there this year. Agreed. Uh, and, and same with Robbie Ray. But I do want to get back to the smart system because you mentioned the M sure. stands for management. And uh, I want to go back to working with a partner and the in-season, right? Because management in-season, not just the auction. You talked about how you guys manage the auction and the draft and having the two heads there, two great heads too. And be, you know, me and Justin, we combine to be one big brain. You guys have <laughs> two big brains together that you're working with. So that's, uh, a, that's already a little humble, advantage. little humble, but okay. <laughs> but um, the management in-season is huge too. How do you guys divvy up responsibilities and what, walk me through a little bit of y'all's in-season management because you don't win all these leagues at the uh, at the auction table. You got to oh, Six no, def- of grinding. Def- yeah, it, it absolutely is a grind. And what we'll do is starting on, you know, assuming it's a Sunday evening fab period, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll starting around maybe Friday night or Saturday morning, we'll start, you know, shooting uh, emails back and forth um, of moves, right? Guys we're looking at, guys we should pick up, guys have to be, you know, not performing, have to be cut. And we'll have a uh, just a constant back and forth uh, as we hone the lists for the various leagues we're playing in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, we end up agreeing on whatever bids we're going to input. And it really is put a tremendous amount of time and effort into that to get the bids right, to get the numbers right. And I'm, I'm my responsibility is largely to find the players, okay. figure out which players we got to move, which guy's got to be cut? Who should we sit this week because they're going to pitching cores or whatever it may be? Um, assuming you're allowed to do that in labor, you can't, but that's a longer True. story. Um, and then what Rick is really, really good at is he's really good at figuring out the right fab bid. Like it's freakish. How <laughs> he can fig- He's like, I'm telling you, I've looked at all these numbers and people in this league bid on the eights. So if you want them, bid 19, you know, instead of 18, like, and and the number of times he's right about that is just bizarre. That's amazing. Um, And, and, you know, one one quick thing to mention, Tout and Labor have essentially become home leagues with a, at least a core of people staying in year over year. So you guys can learn little things like that, going back to kind of the poker reading. So if he has a read that, you know, our biggest competition for this, they always end their bids in an eight. Well, okay, make it a, make it a nine or a zero, uh, you know, higher than, than the nearest eight there. And you got a good shot to win. That's just amazing. I, I, I really respect stuff like that and gathering different tells those, the, all those little incremental things add up 
to the success that you guys have had. So it, it does not yeah. come unwarranted. Uh, you guys are putting in the effort, not at the, not just at the auction table, but in season two. And I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah. All. The other thing he's really good at is finding the, the guys who are coming in um, and not, not so much high leverage situation because there are leverage indexes all over the place, but the guys who are coming in when the game is tied, mm. those relievers win 10 games. And by the way, 10 wins from a reliever oh my or goodness, even are you kidding me? absurd, right? So he, he's very, very good at, at that as well. And we put it together and we, you know, do it every week. And, and I'm much more conservative when it comes to trades and he's, you know, sort of, if he was left to his own devices, he'd be Fred Zinke or or Jonah Carey before <laughs> him. You know, um, and but sometimes, and and this is in labor of 2019, we had we had dynamite hitting team. We had just every pitcher we picked up for nothing at at the at the auction. A one dollar Lance Lynn, a one dollar Domingo Herman. I mean, a a a. a, a Frankie Montas before he got suspended uh, when he broke out with that splitter. I mean, mm -hmm. just down the line. So we ended up, but we had no saves. So we ended up throughout July and, and early August trading all of our starters for like six closers. And we went from last in, in, in saves up to like second or third in saves without losing any other pitching points. It was That's incredibly amazing. aggressive. And we ended up winning uh, on the last day when Anthony Bass got, got a save oh on the gosh. last day. Um, and so, you know, and that was, and that was a management pickup, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. We have these six closers, but who's the one guy out there who might get a save this week? Um, let's try Anthony Bass. Was it with it, uh, Miami or when he was in Toronto? He was, where was he? He's been everywhere. I'm or elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. Seattle. Who's I really Seattle? only named two of, of his many places, and he did get five saves in Seattle in 2019. It was Seattle. You're 100% correct. Of course, you nailed it. But we went out and bought uh, Anthony Bass jerseys, but the only ones we could find were San Diego. That was confusing me for a second. I was going to say, though, um, because that you also have, you said that was a last day thriller. You guys have Josh Towers jerseys for the oh, same reasons, yeah. and a lot of people won't even remember that name. Josh Towers, you know, kind of a fourth, fifth starter type for Toronto back in the day, primarily. Uh, but he had a massive season. Do you remember the year? 2003. I like, why am I not surprised? He went eight and one. Uh, <laughs> yes, and sir. I say massive season, so people are going to hear a 448. Like, what do you mean massive? AL eight only, y'all. Eight wins in two months. I mean, eight wins in two months with a 448 ERA, but also 115 whip. So the eight wins in the whip are the big part. The ERA was passable, though. It was worth a 106 ERA plus in 2003. So you guys are going to hear 448 and think, oh, that's not that good. It was pretty good in the nail only. And the two months with him going eight and one, was it a last day thing or a last it week thing? It was a last day thing. And we've had Josh Towers on Colton the Wolf Which is on so Tuesday, cool, it was so much fun. I, I loved that. Um, and we were wearing our jerseys. Like, you know, we are definitely the only two people in America with Josh. That's what I'm jerseys, saying. You know? At least we wear them in public. And, yeah. Um, but what happened was that back then in labor, John Hunt had this idea of having the regular guy. So there were six quote unquote That's industry right. experts and six regular guys. But the regular guys were like play in five leagues and play high stakes. They were really good exactly. players. And there was one guy who was way ahead, like in May and early June. He's like, oh, like uh, you guys want 
the full spelling of my name for the trophy now. I mean, it was really trash. I mean, trashiest of the trash talking. And that's fine. Like, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, have sure. fun. Especially um, if you're crushing it. But in May, like, it's a little early. So we, we're, com- we're coming back. We're coming back. And basically, it's the last day of the year. Josh Towers on the mound. He gets a win. We win the league. Period. That's it. And, you know. In the first inning, Carlos Delgado hits a grand slam, and they're up four. And I'm like, just give me five innings. <laughs> and boy, did he. And he did. He dealt. Josh Towers dropped seven and two-thirds, scattered seven hits with just a run and a walk. Only two strikeouts. He was a finesse guy. But the Didn't defense matter. turned out. Only yeah, one thing exactly. Mattered. You only needed a win. You needed five innings with that lead. And he went seven and two-thirds. They never relinquished the lead. Six-two win. And Josh Towers is history. Um, in in labor now and Jason Collette always brings that up too that was just that was incredible it, it really was and I love stories like that again oh, you I've, guys got, I've got I've got him man finish. I mean it's amazing we lost once uh, because Frank Catalanato had like nine ribbies in the last like weekend or whatever so that is things a do happen. yeah so sometimes you're on the opposite end of it with a with a, a similar like mid-tier you know remember this guy's name type guy uh in Frank Catalanato I'll give you one more. In the, oh, yeah, I think it was 2000, I think. And the Mets were playing the Reds. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe, I think it was, maybe it was 99. The Mets were playing the Reds in the play-in game. And I needed Mike Piazza to go 0 for 4 for my opponent to win the league. And Piazza walked in his first step bat. I swear to God, I must have thrown things <laughs> against the wall. He ends up going 0 for 2 with three walks. And we lost by two at bats. Oh, that is so rough. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, you guys before- have had some amazingly close ones. That's wild. Yeah. How many of them have come down to the wire, and how many more titles you could have if the if everything had broken your way? Wow, I'll you give are you nailing this, by the way. Not that I disputed you, but I, I'm I'm looking it up. Here's 1999, and yeah, 0 for two, three walks at Cincinnati for Mike Piazza. So I'll give you one more just because you seem to be enjoying this. This this was not with Rick. This was in my home league. But okay. um, in 98, it's, it's Giants, Cubs in the playing game. Mm-hmm. And my home league has strikeout to walk instead of strikeouts. So basically, I'm going to win unless Rod Beck strikes out three and walks none. Rest in peace, Mr. Beck. Yeah. But what, what happens is I have Terry Mulholland. And they brought him into the game despite having pitched eight innings or so the day before. And he walks a guy. Now Beck only <gasps> needs two strikeouts for me to be out of it. He oh. strikes out one guy, and Joe, and Joe Carter is now up um, with two strikes. And if he strikes him out, that's it. He hits this weak pop-up in foul territory off of first. Mark Grace comes down and catches the ball, and I am dancing around. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. It was just it's like it was like a – World Series Game Seven for 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 us fantasy players, and that's know? that's how it works on the last day. And by the way, how have you enjoyed the last couple of years where every uh, game one sixty two starts at the same time? Do you like that for the fantasy aspect of it? I actually really do like that. Me too. Um, especially because I wouldn't like it fifteen years ago, but with the packages that most of us in the industry certainly have, where we can mm-hmm. you know bounce between every game and see what's going on. I love it. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree. I, I really, really do like that. Well, let's get to uh, you know a little bit of the negativity with the lockout. Uh, how has the lockout impacted y'all's prep? Uh, have you just been operating as as usual, or uh, do you have you know the foot off the gas a little bit because of the owners uh, being clowns? 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I think there's equal blame to go around. I'm not going to take sides. I'm going to be Switzerland, if you will. I'm going to take I do sides. Think, I, I support the players here. Well, it's not that I don't support one or the other. I think that both sides need to take responsibility, get in a room, and work it out. And and that's you know? this. That's what this week is supposed to be. I, I can get behind right. that. Like the, It's got to be done. Um, but the owners do have, you know, we don't need to get into like the, the whole lockout debate, but this week is supposed to be multiple meetings. This is a big do or die week. But, um, yeah. you know, for me, I, I'm just kind of going business as usual. Are, are you guys operating like yeah. that too? Okay. Okay. We okay. are, but the prep is different, right? Yeah, it really because is. Because if you're listening to this, you're a big fantasy player, I'm sure. And you're, you're flexible on when your draft can happen most of the time, not everyone, but a lot of people are flexible on when their drafts can happen. But for us, we're in labor and that starts on March 4th or March 6th Come and it's happening. Yep. Right. Yep. And you know, what do you do in an only league or a mono league when you have all these players who are unsigned? How do you feel you pick about a solution? Well, it was, it was, I, I was largely my idea. Uh, oh, you know, okay. Working, okay. Working so you with like Steve Gardner. Gotcha. I, I think it, it would look, I mean, for those who are listening, Basically, if you play in a mono league like Labor AL or NL, if you pick up in the draft a player who ends who's a free agent, you can do that. But if he signs in the other league, you lose him. So yeah. it's you know most players a 50-50 shot where they're going to go. I mean, some are different. And yeah, some you have an idea, but now with the DH in both spots too, there's not even that guy that's like a DH right. or Nelson like Nelson Cruz does not guarantee exactly. AL mm -hmm. right now. Right, and so. There's usually there's two or three, you know, decent sized names who aren't signed when when it starts. A few years ago it was Jake Arrieta. Mm -hmm. The year before that it was Mike Moustakis. But it isn't Correa and Freeman and Jansen and oh, you know on and, and on. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we decided that we would take the first twelve top twelve by ADP out of being able to be obtained during the AL or NL auction. And then once the season starts and they sign, if they sign in, for example, the NL that we're playing in together, um, then we'll have a basically a mini auction, a fab mini auction for those players to make it a little more, take out some luck. I yeah, mean, exactly. if you think Freddie Freeman is a $30, $30 player, he's probably more than that, but just for ease of math, then and you believe it's in 50-50, he goes either the Yankees or the Braves, then logically you shouldn't pay much more than 15 for him but if you yeah. get him for 15 in the nl and he signs in atlanta you have this huge advantage so that's why we want to take away some of that if you get a nine dollar eddie rosario instead of 13 or 14 it's not as big a deal agreed agreed you know so the the prep though the real difficulty with the prep is it is it is really hard to assess playing time at the lower ends of the rosters oh, because really the lower end of the roster today could be starting in AAA if a signing or two happens. I mean, look, your Tigers are, are, are a classic example of that. If they decide, hey, you know, I'm going to bring in, I'm making this up completely, don't go rely on this, folks, uh, you know, a Jock Peterson or an Eddie Rosario. Yes. Um, you know, both that would fit well there. I think so, but then you see Riley Green a lot later, and yep. Victor Reyes has no value, and on and on as these things, you know, could be affected. Um, so I think it's really hard, and all we've done really is fall back on the Ron Chandler 
mantra, uh, drafts, skills, not role, because we don't know the roles. Exactly. And I think that's the right way to play it. I will say the biggest factor that I've seen in drafts that I've been doing already has been the impact on relievers. And that's what the R in SMART stands for. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys already have, again, you have it in the SMART system. So you, and and the, the R there is, to actually pay for closers, to 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 be in a get a closer. steady close a closer, yes, mm-hmm. to pay for saves, I should say, not not closers necessarily. Get a steady, solid closer on a good team who throws hard. And so you guys have already been doing that, but now with the price of poker going way up with these drafts, and I mean it may be settled, uh, you know, this week, and then there could be maybe some quick signings like Jansen signs somewhere and then Kennedy does and Kimbrell's traded. And those are like the first four events that happen out of the lockout. And it really clears up the pool a bit. I doubt that's how it's going to go though. With the I prices agree. escalating, do you guys stay strong to the R and smart and pay these premiums? Or are you balking at the, at the elevator prices for closers? We've actually started balking a year or two ago. I'm not saying we haven't done it, but we'll set our number and then we're that's the end of it. And so what we're going to try really hard to avoid is that ugly middle. So just by way of example, last year in Tout Wars, when the prices we thought went too high in the AL for the big time closers, we mm-hmm. went completely the other way and just drafted it. I mean, it worked out incredibly well. A $3 Class A and a $4 Romano and a Kendall Graveman on reserve and and a Jake Diekman for $2. And it worked out fine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in labor, we paid like $13, $14 for Alex Colomay. And that's just something we're not doing anymore. I get I Presley and I get Hendricks and, and I get Chapman. But mm-hmm. the guys in the middle, I don't think... You know, I want no part of those guys that are just a coin toss. That's like Melanson and Gregory Soto of today's pool, right? Right. Soto for five, six, sure. Soto for 15, 16, no. Can't can't do it. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I'm I'm with you there. And I've I've been on the you know, get somebody solid because I and I repeat this a lot. So those that listen to the pod all the time, sorry that you always have to hear this, but my biggest issue with it when people say, you know, don't pay for saves or whatever, it's not that you can't do what you guys did when you spiked some some great middle relievers or even find them in season off the wire. It's the opportunity, it's it's the cost, the opportunity cost of spending your fab that I think gets underestimated by people who say, I'll just get them in season. Because the yeah, thing that is, work. is even if you guys have you and Rick have like two solid closers, you bought your one and then you spiked another with a four dollar middle reliever. And somebody comes up as a closer on a Saturday, you know, you know, going into the next bidding period, y'all are probably still going to put at least something on them. You know, even the teams with closers will still be putting bids in. So those guys never come cheaply. And I just think that people do not factor in how much that c- can suck up their fab all year. And what if you're the Julian Merriweather person who pays big and he busts and that happens two or three times? Well, then you spent all this capital on your fab and then what if you have other areas of opportunity that need fixing that's why i don't like to leave without saves and hey we all know know, last year you could have gone trevor rosenthal and i'm trying to think another guy who would like 
We felt Kirby like Yates. Were, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You went Rosenthal and Yates in like a December draft. I don't, I forget the exact time they got hurt, but you'd be like, I'm sitting pretty here with two legit closers on two pretty decent clubs, Oakland and Toronto. And boom, you got literally nothing. And that could happen with a top dog. You know, I don't want to jinx anybody's name, but like one of the top six or seven could get hurt too. But there's a lot less light, like injury is the only way that like uh, Josh Hader isn't closing, right? He, he, he's going to have such a long leash. He has such a great track record. And even yep. with somebody like Devin Williams behind him, isn't that threatening because of how great Hader is. So I'm open to paying for one of like the top 10. Um, yeah, and then I agree. I'll probably jump in the back end. What we will definitely do though, we don't price enforce very much. Okay. But when it comes to relievers like that, there's no way any it, we're going to let uh, Hendricks or, 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 you know, a hater go for under 20. Agreed. You know what I mean? Can't and so it. if people want to go to 23, 24, we'll fall back and we'll have a plan B that's, you know, hopefully get whatever a Presley or, or a Chapman or something at, you know, 18, 19, and then we'll have a, a, an even further fallback. But I will say this, I much, I'm much more comfortable having that one guy I can count on because one Hendricks, if he does his thing, which we expect him to do, puts you in an AL only probably in the middle of the pack and saves just for that one player. For and sure. then if you score more, now you're in the top three, right? Or you can even make a trade toward the end of the year, uh, you know, to get a guy. Um, so it, it just prevents the downside. If you exactly. want to win the league, you can't be, I, I don't believe in punting categories. I don't believe it I don't, at all. I don't either. Not on purpose. Right? If, if, no. Things if happen, something happens, maybe you were the Yates Rosenthal person last year. So you're, you drafted in December and as the league's starting, you're like, okay, I got to punt saves now and, and pivot. Okay. That's one thing. But at the draft table, I don't like to openly punt and sure it can win. Any strategy can win with the right players, but it's not for me. And I totally agree with you. Never give yourself up in something um, on purpose. I think it just makes your job too much harder. Oh, I completely agree with you. And you know, what is it? If you took a 12 team, 120 maximum points, and you're now saying that if your season goes perfect, you're at 109. Yeah. I mean, it, that makes it so much harder to win and yeah it can be done and you know i don't think you're punting saves if you have a strategy of i'm going to take four guys who are number twos i don't think that's punting saves that's I different agree. i agree that, punting saves punting is nine category? starters to me right or you know punting batting average where it's just you know matt chapman and joey gallo and, and, and whatever yeah exactly right and you could you win that way sure but I'd much rather turn, you know, Joey Gallo into DJ LeMay and, you know, yeah. have some balance. I, I just, I try not to do that. Like I said, and, you know, there are situations where you will have to make that adjustment in season, but, but in the draft, I really think it's best to try to try to stay balanced. Um, going back to kind of the scarcity piece, we talked about some of the positions, sure. uh, but also saves and steals. How about the ever-dwindling number of steals league-wide? Jason Collette, our friend, put out a wonderful tweet today really putting numbers to things. And in the last 10 years, we've seen a 36% decline uh, with, with every full season seeing a drop since 2015 down to 29-24, to 2,924 steals last year, down from 45-40 back in 2011. How, uh, since you guys already planned for scarcity, uh, you kind of, you kind of already ready to do that, but how has the dwindling number of steals changed things in the smart system, uh, with that scarcity of speed? 
So it's a couple of things. I mean, not it's one that we try to get some contribution in that category. You're not going to get it from all 14 of your hitters. That's a ridiculous no, goal. That's impossible. But to try to get it from eight to 10 of your hitters, and some of them would be four or five, mm -hmm. but four or five versus zero, eight times is a very big deal especially in this day like, and age. Especially at like first uh catcher corner third like non-traditional speed spots when you're getting the little five-piece dumps from those guys it's so huge i feel like oh totally right so we try to get some and the the trey turners of the world you know the the, the guys who will give you steals and other things i mean the acunas the the i think Luis robert will run again you know I think so too. um these types oh, of guys oh well of course you know, th you just, you pretty much almost have to have one of them. <laughs> it feels you know, like it, right? It, it does. And by the way, do you know how many players last year hit 300 and had 20 steals? <laughs> I'm going to guess two. Three. Three. Oh two, two of them you will get. Okay. So Turner, I would yes. imagine. Um, mm -hmm. Did Ramirez hit 300? I no, guess would be no. my question. Yeah, it wouldn't no. have been him. Um Miles Straw only hit like 278. Starling Marte? There you go. That's okay. the one I expected you to get. Is the and other folks, one... I didn't ask him in advance. He's totally no, no, you no. Know, I'm trying to get these. Seven I'd be very impressed. Didn't hit 300. I know. I mean, Jason's field was down. Justin is go... upset at you just for saying that. Because I know, I know. Uh Nikki Lopez. Ding! Wow, that was good. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> It was that strong was Lopez. When you, when you said somebody, you know, a little bit off the beat, I was like, I, those were the first two names I went to. And then I was like, Merrifield didn't get there. Yes. So he had a crazy season. He hit, he hit like, didn't he hit like 302 or like he hit low 300s, he, he, but he had, he had like 20. A, and he was like 20 of 21 or something like that. Yeah. Baseball. Yeah. He, crazy. Like, he was, he was great. So I've so, always yeah, been know. a big Nikki Lopez guy, but here's the message and all of that. Now that we're done playing is at the back end of your draft, especially in AL or in NL only when you're, prospecting on that one or two a dollar mi or util or fifth outfielder mm -hmm. that guy's that guy should be a potential steals guy i agree right because you can find 15 homers anywhere i agree. right yep. you really yep. can and even even in those al nl only yep. like someone's going to come up like a like a, there'll be a this year's gavin sheets and i don't think he quite got to 15 homers but like i was thinking aristides aquino yes right? that kind of yes that kind of power will show up even in the shallow uh or, or shallow waiver pool Bobby Bradley came up you know yep. they, they all, these guys come up i mean even you know Yankees got some home runs uh, at a big hit in Chris Gittens, you know. I mean, like, yeah, these guys come up. You yeah, know? there's there's power to be found, and that's definitely something that you can find. You're not often going to find uh, the steals as much. And again, if you do, even if you do, though, it's going to be a pretty penny with your fab because the second somebody some base stealer finds a better job uh, or more open path to playing time, everyone's going to see that, right? It's not going to sneak through. But usually power guys are just kind of, you know, close to a dime a dozen, depending on your league size, and they will be found. So I agree there. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're, you're thinking in your anchors, which uh, is what the A stands for. And those are those are your those are your foundational pieces. You Started. want most of those guys to have. Uh, oh, it's, it's anchor starters. Anchors pardon starters. me. Pardon me. I thought yes. it was anchors, including your hitters. So that's just starters. Pardon me. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. Um, well, I, I will bounce off to that then to, to the A for sure. anchors. This one's not on the rundown, but um, with the, that's another thing that's we've seen the price go up for is the ace starter. Yep. We don't Has need that, 
We don't need Garrett Cole, okay. right? Or okay. Max Scherzer. They fit, of course. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> you know? certainly. They fit um, with the price tag too. You know, 30, 30 plus. Guy, right. The guy who you can count on to give you, you know, go take the ball. I mean, absent something bizarre, take the ball 30 times and mm-hmm. give you 100. Used to be 200 innings. Now it's like 170. You'll do it, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Um, and uh, give you good ratios, give you solid number of Ks, and be the foundation, the anchor of your team. So back in the day when we first started doing this, Pedro Martinez was the dominant pitcher and Roger. Oh my God. Right. We never had them. Not that we didn't think they were great, but every year it was Mike Messina and he, and every year he put up solid numbers and we could build around that pitcher. So that's what we really want to do is, is have somebody we can count on. And last year in labor NL, didn't work. We thought Luis Castillo was going to be that guy, and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, he, he looked Wooden, like that guy. Really did work. He, he got there though. You know, Castillo turned it around in the summer, but it took the second half, two you know. plus months of, yeah. of pretty terrible stuff there. Musina is a great call out. You know, he kind of reminds me like Musina um, uh, is a little bit better than this, a bit better than this guy. Probably more than a bit. Pardon me, because Musina is a Hall of Famer. I don't want to disrespect him, but in terms of looking at the the numbers. Uh, I get like a Barrios, a Jose Barrios, where you will miss yes. the the top guys, but you guys will be happy to take a Barrios who takes the ball 32 times. He's done that three different times now. He's shown he can do it with quality ratios uh, and above strikeout per inning rate. Does he? Does Barrios fit the anchors yeah. that we're talking about? It, if you're talking about second level, it totally does. And that's the that's the kind of we actually have had him as our SP one in Labor AL last year. Um, we had a couple of things go wrong, like column A. So uh, we ended up coming in third, which is no shame uh, in, in that competition. But that's exactly the kind of pitcher. And he doesn't – he signed a big money contract, but he was already there. Exactly. So to me, the same. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. he. It's the changing teams, the whole new environment, upending your family if, if they have one, all that sort of stuff. Totally, totally agree with you there. Uh, we're winding down. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the floor here. And if you've got a couple off the top of your head here, what are two or three top keys to in-season success? And you can include them in the form of, of being with a partner or just in general. But, but I think in-season management is still the area where people probably struggle the most. They, they study the draft pool. They know the back front and back. They have a good draft. And then they're like, why didn't I win? And it's probably because they lost their their hold on paying attention to their team well enough throughout the six months. So give us a few tips for the six month grind. You know, it's funny. I, I hear both Jason Collette and Eno Saris in my head because both those guys every single year say, I think I'm really good at drafting and I need to get better at in season. And they yep, say that all I've the heard time. Eno say that about his fab a million times. Right. And I agree they're really good at drafting. And it must be that because you know, they haven't won as many leagues as I think they should because they're great mm-hmm. players. But um, so my answer is, is this one, don't give up on a player too early. I see all the time, you know, guy, uh, I mean, Luis Castillo is a perfect example. He had two bad months. You cut him. He had four good months. You I know, beg people not to get rid of him too. I, I know it's bleak right now, but I just, I'm not seeing enough here to think that right. Luis Castillo sucks now. And I'm not saying that to like tout myself. A lot of other people were too, but it was hard. You know, if you it had him, you're in the trenches. It's mm-hmm. tough to hold him. 
Now it's a little harder in a league like labor, which doesn't allow you to reserve guys. Yes. But if you, you know, if you picked your SP one or your SP two or your, you know, third round hitter or your $35 player, you know, all right, maybe you can put them on reserve for a week. I don't have a problem with that. If you're allowed to do that in your league, but people cut bait, bait way too early. So that's sort of number one. Number two is look for who got cut in your league or, yes. or, or underperforming way too early. Now it, you can see, okay, uh, it's the end of April and this pitcher was terrible, but he's got a strand rate of 47 and a BAPIP of, of 900. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's sort of obvious that things aren't going right. Or they pitched twice in cores and once, you know, in against Yankee the Stadium. Dodgers. Or yeah, whatever, or against, right? yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So there it's so it's not only who got cut, that's pretty easy, but go look at your competitors' rosters and say, oh, this guy spent forty dollars on, on trout and he's hitting two ten. Call him up. Say hey, what's up. Yep. <laughs> you know, if, if he might be or she might be, uh, you know, frustrated and you might be able to, you're not going to call up and say, give me Mike Trout for, you, you know, for uh, Harold Castro to, to no, you know, no, the no. you're still going to pay a premium, but you might well, buy maybe 20% less, yes, right. Or 15% exactly. less. And that's exactly. a, it's a huge deal. So that would be sort of my, my second one. And the third one, is in leagues that allow you to pick up minor leaguers or guys on the DL, do it early. Mm -hmm. So if you think, and and I'm trying to remember who did this a couple of years ago in Towers, and they got your Don Alvarez. It was Rob Leibowitz um, in, in 20, um, it would have been 2019. Yes. He, he had your Don Alvarez and he picked him up like two weeks before he came up and Rob won the league by one point. Um, we could have won if Miles Straw stole two bases in the end of the literally you can't you know, we were telling these stories earlier in the pod. So I'm literally watching MLB TV and Miles Straw is up fifth in the inning, and I need him to get up. I need him to get on base and steal two bases. And I'm just like rooting for like just hits. It was a meaningless game other to, to the Astros at that point, of course. Yeah, they and were locked. So the good news is Straw did get up, but the bad news is he didn't get on base. But Rob Leibowitz won that league, and it was largely because he was smart enough to pick up Jordan Alvarez before he came up. And hey, some and of those things are luck, thing. but a lot of times they're they're not, right? He studied him as a good prospect who could come up. Right. And I doubt Rob thought he was going to put up a 1067 OPS with 27 homers, but <laughs> yeah. he might have been saying, I can get an 800 OPS with 15 in a half season. And he happened to spike the, the 95th percentile of that projection. And that's huge. And I totally agree about the minor, if you can pick up the minor leaguers early in the NFBC, you can't pick them up unless they've been drafted. So know who's been drafted and then cut because exactly. sometimes people will draft like, like, you know who that's going to happen to a lot this year is Julio Rodriguez because frankly, Glenn, yep. I don't think he should be drafted in a redraft league because he's not going to be up until the summer. But he's going to be drafted, Julio Rodriguez, and he's going to be cut in NFBC leagues because those seven precious reserve spots, it's going to get too difficult to hold him for a lot of folks. But I agree with you, but not in AL only. AL only is being no, no, no. He'll be drafted and and properly held, but in a deep, you know, like a fifteen team mixer, he'll be drafted. He'll likely be cut, and then come Memorial Day, you start checking in and seeing where he's at. And even if he's two, three weeks away, and now you have a spot where you can afford to hold him, 
then you get him for a few bucks and that right. can be your boon. It doesn't have to be as high of a profile prospect, right? Jordan Alvarez was not that high profile of a prospect when he was coming up. He was not Julio Rodriguez. He was a good hitting prospect, but he was not that known and Rob scoops him uh, and gets 87 games of just brilliant work out of him in 2019. Totally. And here's like you say about the NFBC, right? When you, a lot of people, and I do this, you start sorting for, okay, uh, Look at the performance and who's the best players over the last seven days, over the last 14, mm-hmm. over the last 21. Julio Rodriguez, who was drafted and cut, who's playing in the minors, is not coming up when you run those sorts. Yes, so he'll never show. Really pay attention to that, um, which is and part of it's not really in season, but it's the same concept, especially in AL only or NL only. You're in the end game, you're in the AL, you could pick up, a, you know, Victor Reyes. I keep throwing out Tigers mm-hmm. for you. Um, but instead of throwing down two bucks, your last two bucks on Victor Reyes, who might steal you some bases and be useful, you know, uh, throw you two bucks down on a guy in the minor leagues who you can then put on reserve and could give you a half season of great baseball. And then, and then you pick up your Reyes type on your taxi draft. Yes. I think that, I think that's a great call. Um, so one more thing in season that, that, sure. that you guys, that you guys do, uh, to continue to facilitate the success that people can take with them. So, you know, we, we look for, and Rick does this more than I do, you look for trades that make sense for both teams. If you, you know, you, sit, you study art. other people's rosters. Yes. It's so funny because we will, Chris List says this all the time from Rotowire. He says, I can't stand it. You send me a note with a trade that's so completely fair, I can't bargain with you. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, it's either a yes or no, but hey, it does cut out the work. And I get what he's saying, but at the same time, it's it's really awesome to w- deal with you guys because you know that you guys are never trying to screw somebody and get one over. You're trying to make yeah. their team better. You're trying to make your team better too, right? You're not giving away players, but you yeah. are going to come in with the A-plus offer uh, or, or at least an A-level offer instead of it's haggling. It's really important because you can get a reputation for – trying to you know get one over on yep. your league mates yes you're trying to win the trade but it doesn't if the other guy benefits that's okay right that's how exactly. it's supposed to work and there's there's one particular player in the industry i'm not going to name names who you know you get this offer and you say well can i also throw in mike trout and max scherzer <laughs> to you? like why don't we do that you know, like, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like blowing your mind. Like, who would do that? And don't do that whether you're in a quote expert league or a home league. Yeah, maybe the maybe the offer is you leave room for bargaining. That's fine, but sure. don't make an offer that's just offensive. Because I will tell you that I have, and Rick and I do this. There's a a level at which we won't counter, exactly. which we Same. really want to counter. We try to counter and. But there's a level at which, you know, it's not even worth having the discussion because it's and, and you don't want to be that person because trading is a critical art in in these leagues. And y- even the smallest level. So in you'll learn this in, in labor NL and I'll teach it to you right here on the air. Ah, yes. You if you're going to pick up someone you have to play them in your active roster. So you pick up somebody on Feb, you have to play them on your active roster. Mm-hmm. You must, the only guy you can move to your reserve is, is someone who went to the minors or was an original reserve pick, which means you likely have to cut someone. 
So if you have, oh, I don't know, like uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, you know, a player who's not, uh, you know, last year's Tyler Wade, right? You got to cut him because you got a better shortstop, but he's kind of valuable because still a few bases. Double digit SBs. Yeah. Or call me up and say, Hey, you know, you need some steals. Just make me an offer. Right. And I'll because believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you're I a like straight that. shooter. Right. And then you'll say, okay, I'll give you this guy in, in labor. You need to sort of trade. I need, would need to give you a guy who you can put on reserve or is injured. So, because you don't have room and fine, you know, I'll give you a guy who's hurt. who might be back in three weeks and you've gotten something for nothing. Cause I know you're not going to screw around with me. So even that small little deal where I traded for Tyler Wade and got four steals, that could matter. Exactly. You never know. And Jason and- Kittridge got two, two wins in the first week we traded him. And he was like a guy who had, you know, who was a follower. Right. But he was smart enough to do it. The margins in these leagues. I mean, we've gone over all these amazing stories about how close it can be. And, and this is not just, uh, uh, you know, single league. This happens in all leagues. And that kind of goes back to your point about not giving up too early, both on a player, but also on a team. Um, I imagine you guys probably have some stories about comebacks too, where you're dead in the water in July. And if you're dead in the water in July, most fantasy managers are going to tell you that's a lost cause, but it's really not. It obviously depends on the stratification of your standings, right? I'm not saying every dead team in July can come back. There has to be the right maneuverability with the standings, but I guarantee this there are more opportunities to come back than most people realize because they, they are willing to just throw in the towel instead of put in that work because in the, in the ratio categories and Todd Zola was the one that really beat this into my brain. Folks can come back to you. You're not just having to move up. Obviously in the counting categories, you just have to collect, but in the ratios, folks can move down below you while you're moving up. So you can make big movements in ERA whip and average. I would say, you know, if you, Unless you've just been injury riddled and and the team is just you know dealing with dead spots and totally blown out, do not give up until it is the end of the season because yeah. you truly can make major comebacks that a lot of people probably don't realize are possible. A hundred percent. But there's another reason not to give up. Roto scoring depends on the honesty of all of the exactly. fantasy managers playing. You know, you don't have to stay up till three in the morning trying to do your thing. No, 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 but keep a whole line there always. Right? Uh, Because it matters. And leagues get decided because the the team in eighth place, you know, played fair and jumped up two spots and in in strikeouts or whatever. And and Tower Wars does something smart. You, if you finish with less, fewer than 60 fantasy points, it it ends up coming out of your fab the next year. Bingo. Um, And so, and people care. Oh, you know, uh, people, people really care. So I think that, you know, playing it out is, is really, really important and looking for every edge and make a decision. This is the other thing I will say in terms of in-season success, make an early decision. I'm either going to spend my fab early or I'm not, mm-hmm. but don't get caught in the middle <laughs> because I then totally agree with that. You've saved $60 of fab instead of 90. And the guy you get is... Uh, Yimmy Garcia gets traded. Like, yeah, there's not enough player. talent for it. Right. So you can be caught left holding a bag that is not useful to you with all that extra money. Exactly. So I definitely and, see that happening. And this year, if you're in a mono league and you're doing what we're doing in labor and 
you've got a chance to add Carlos Correa or <laughs> Trevor Story to your oh team? Goodness. Well, you would have paid 80, 90% of your fab for the two months. What are you going to pay for six months? Right. Oh, man. So it's, and, and by the way, know your league rules. If you mm -hmm. have $0 bids, you can just, you can kamikaze spin it out, right? Yep. You yep. know, um, it's, but if you in labor where there are no $0 bids, know that too. But don't get caught in the middle. Make a plan and stick to it. We're going to go and spend or we're not. And we've done it both ways. There's no right way to do it. It depends no. on the composition of your team. You have, mm -hmm. like you said, you have no saves. Whatever. Every time a guy looks like he's going to take the closer role, we'll go out there and bid on him. If we don't 100%. have that many holes, we'll hold it. Yep. And I, I think being decisive is very important, uh, regardless of which way you go. There's not one right way to do everything, but being decisive and, and being, uh, you know, firm with your actions, I think is important. And, you know, you talked about the trading aspect, which is obviously something that isn't available in all leagues, but it is a lost art. And listen, I'm not one who loves talking on the phone, which sounds weird for somebody who will podcast as much as I do. And like live streams, those are basically like phone calls. But, um, you know, I, I, it's not something that I've always loved. But when you get on, we all love baseball, right? If you're playing fantasy baseball, you love baseball. Getting on the phone with another fantasy manager to talk baseball should be a fun thing to do. It should not feel like yep. a chore. And I've definitely come around to that more in recent years. And it's because of our mutual friend, Ian Khan. You know, I uh -huh. love when, when he says, you know, hey, Ian. yeah, he's like, you, you want to do a deal? And I'm saying, yeah. And then the phone rings two minutes later and we start talking. And he's another guy who comes in with his A offer. He's going to give you an offer that is super fair off the top there might be some wiggle room to discuss it but for the most part he's going to give you something that you're like darn that really that adds up you've done your work here you see what i need you see what you need and you're offering me a great deal so i don't want to ramble too much on that this has been a wonderful conversation glenn uh, i yeah, always sure. love talking to you i'm so bummed that we won't get to link up but we'll be we'll be together again soon i don't know when yeah, I, we'll we'll get there and we'll have a look for all i know I got some uh, in my day job. I got some cases in Austin. So next time we're traveling, I will anytime you know. you're you're coming through Austin, you hit me up. I'll take you to lunch if you got Love time it. or dinner, and we will absolutely do that. Maybe get you out at first pitch Arizona later in the fall. Perhaps we'll see how things yeah. go. Obviously, obviously the world is uh, you know uh, dictating things a little bit differently to us right now. But at least we still get to talk like this. Folks can listen to you on SiriusXM with the wonderful Rick Wolf, Glenn Colton One on Twitter. That's two ends on on Glenn G L E N N C O L T O N One and Rick Wolf One. Follow his partner Rick Wolf. Another great person. Not only are you guys great fantasy managers but i really think you guys are great gentlemen uh boons to the industry and i love talking with you so i appreciate you coming on with me glenn absolutely a pleasure look forward to talking more baseball i have faith this will resolve we will be yelling play ball and i look forward to drafting with you on uh march 6th in labor nl that'll be broadcast live on sirius xm and uh folks you can hear uh spore and colton and the wolfman going and a dollar and a dollar as the player <laughs> off the board i can't wait thanks glenn Thank you.